When you're depressed, where do you want to go? Zimbalta is a prescription medication. Tell your doctor right away if you're depressed. First steps in a new direction. The Lord's forgiven you of everything in your life you don't want there. And he's your Your copy of America on DVD. Have your credit card ready. Put a mosque in the worst possible place. The controversy? It's only two blocks from ground zero. This week, Sarah Palin, up to already raucous today, went on Twitter to hold on peaceful Yo, sensory deception. You ain't censoring shit. Yo. Entertainment and news, infiltrated education, product placement in schools. How I'm rocking my hat, how I'm lacing my shoes. Eating the shit, the media's false feeding. You got little girls leading to bulimia. Believe it, bro, everyone's to blame. All became a part of this, blinded by the greed. We couldn't see the harmonists. Artists are charging marketing offices, planting the artificial seeds and harvesting the narcissists. Yo, it's sensory deception. You can't censor my perception. Hey yo, it's sensory deception. You can't censor my, censor my yo. Hey yo, I touch it, I taste it, I smell it, I hear it, I see it. Love it, I hear it, don't want it there. I need it. It's sensory deception. You can't censor my perception. Hey yo, I touch, taste, smell, hear, see, love, hate. Yo, it's mass murder by Frank Furters and hamburgers. Supersize your suicidal pack. New arrival, uno dollar, you and swallow that. Superficial world where everything's a fallacy. High speed, hook up disconnectors from reality. All knowing Android avoidance from thinking. Jim Jones, pop, cold, poison, punch, drinking. We are at war with your Repetitive lines, hypnotized subconsciousness, rebellious rhymes, sabotage their reconnaissance. Supreme dominance over the whole populace. Hollowed out my head and filled the void with empty promises. Bionic, I'm finding it ironic. They're cutting down the truth to write lies on it. Sexual saturation, instant gratification. Consume a nation, missing imagination. Mass communication, trapped in isolation. Handful of corporations, got a grip. On all the stations, you know why? It's sensory deception. You can't censor my perception. Hey yo, it's sensory deception. You can't censor all, censor all, yo. Hey yo, I touch it, I taste it, I smell it, I hear it, I see it. Love it, I hate it, don't want it there. I need it. It's sensory deception. You can't censor my perception. Hey yo, I touch, taste, smell, hear.
all the time just be a dog run around catch frisbees pee on a fire hydrant life's more rewarding and you get access to lots of treats catch salty talk mondays and wednesdays and every friday for salty's weekend warm-up 4 p.m eastern time add a little salt to your life and be more dog honey look at those beautiful clouds those are clouds, Daddy. Those are chemtrails. Chemtrails? What are chemtrails? Chemical trails, Daddy, and they're very bad.
can protect our necks from the stress of a world in a mess From the war in Iraq to the crack in the streets To the AIDS epidemic and corrupted police To the homeless, the hopeless, the sick and the poor The rich keep getting richer while the poor despite the wars Now somebody must See this too Somebody must feel the way I do Just like a race car driver I'm going off the tracks Or a cool breeze blowing at your back I'm a two-way ticket on a one-way route I'm the rain and thunder that knocks the power out I'm a loaded gun, I'm a holding one I'm a bursting star, I'm a burning sun I'm a saint to some but a devil to the rest So just show me the stage and just cut me
We're all just Sunday drivers in a race to save our souls Bailing down the freeway on the wrong side of the road controls the web, the spider controls the web. And the spider is, is, is at a level that you never see. It's not Tony Blair, he's a, he's a strand. The Bush family, they're a strand. Even the Rockefellers are a strand. The real power that's manipulating all this, you never see, it operates from the shadows. Um, and uh, so it's operating to a, 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 a central dictating policy. And this is why you're seeing um, the same things happen in all different countries at the same time. It's because the uh, orders and the policy are coming from a central point. We can work on the level of banking scams, political scams, manipulated wars, manipulated 9-11s. And we should, because we need to know that. But if that's all we're doing in terms of communicating knowledge, then basically we're operating in a cycle of this is the problem, but how the hell do we get out of this? We will never know how to set ourselves free until we understand the nature of who we bloody well are. How do you set yourself free when you don't even know who you are? How do you set yourself free when you don't even know the nature of reality that you're living in and manifesting and making happen without your knowledge that you're making it happen? You can't. So alongside the information about, um, you know, the five sense level of this conspiracy, if you like, we have to, um, just as powerfully, I would say more powerfully, communicate the nature of reality and, and how, we, how we are creating our reality and how we are allowing it to be created for us by having ourselves programmed with certain beliefs, certain perceptions and all the rest of it all the time. Uh, the two must go together, otherwise, you know, we're never going to get out of this. All freedom is our natural and eternal right, not the gift of some dark suit or uniform to decide if it's going to give it to us or not. We all live in different realities, there's no doubt about that. They're trying to form a one unified reality, but as we start to look towards what we're trying to actually get to, and that is liberty, freedom, justice for all, um, which is a global cry, we are now knowing it within from all the internet realms that this is a global cry. It doesn't matter if you're in the Netherlands, in Africa, in uh, Peru, or wherever. We're all saying the same thing all over the globe. All over the globe. Namo, Namo, Namo.
so you can't reject anything that comes your way. The universe is trying to speak to you and give you what you need, but you're rejecting it because you think you know what you deserve and what you need, which has all been conditioned and programmed by our culture creators, such as Walt Disney, Monsanto, and everyone else. So the answer to our problem is actually invisible, and it is called synchronicity. But it's an answer that no one can show you. No one can show you. And so now we're asking humanity to have faith in humanity when the Dark Brotherhood is making it so impossible to do so. Because we think all of this is our fault. Because we think all of this is our fault. Because we think all of this is our fault. So we need to find that faith in humanity because listen to all these people that have come out here, every single one of them, a loving, caring, nurturing being that just wants to uplift humanity. Well, that's the majority. Well, that's the majority. Well, that's the majority. The television's telling you the total opposite. Fear those people in a van. Fear, don't go outside. You know, you don't want to be meeting around with people. And that's exactly what you should be doing. And that's exactly what you should be doing. And that's exactly what you should be doing. Synchronicities will start to unfold, and then you'll actually believe in miracles. Anything that comes your way, go with it and, and do it to your fullest. You know, that's my message to the world because it'll guide you to your soul's purpose. And if you let your light shine, you know, to your fullest when something comes your way, then it'll magnify and become even more than you ever anticipated. And the best thing is, is that everything's better than you could have ever dreamed it. Everything's better than you could have ever dreamed it. Everything's better than you and I know that's a, a hard message to sell when the BP oil spill, with the uh, volcanoes, with the corruption, with everything that's going down, the police state, you know, all of it. It's hard to tell people to regain their faith in humanity, to forgive the anger that you have for these people that have, have trespassed on you, and to just start seeking the new existence. But we have to. That's what we have to do. We're the voice now. We're the voice now. We're the voice now. Have you ever called into your favorite talk radio program? Only to encounter this and felt like this. That never happens when you dial 941-421-0401. At RazRadioLive.com, we answer right away. And pow, you're live on the air talking to one of your favorite hosts. No screeners, no delays. Try it now. 941-421-0401. And avoid... 941-421-0401 If you're a new listener or a seasoned veteran, don't be scared. 941-421-0401 We welcome all. We know how it feels to be ignored. RazRadioLive.com
Everyone knows that, mate. Well, why does everyone know that? Well, it's because this system is controlled by what I call repeaters. They're people in the situations of power and influence who just repeat what someone else tells them. A doctor is repeating what they were told at medical school and what the drug companies tell them. Uh, you've got teachers who repeat what they learned in their exams or what they learned at teacher training college and they repeat that to the next generation. And the great repeaters are what pass for journalists. This is that area outside uh, Parliament where they stand there doing their pieces to camera telling people what's going on. Here we have the uh, crews waiting for the journalists to come across from Westminster and stand there and tell them what's happening in the world. The fact is, they don't know what's happening. They know nothing. So, this is what they should be saying if they were telling the truth. Now over to Westminster for the latest news from David Icke. Thank you, you. Well, I haven't got a clue what's going on. i tell you what my job is, right? I, I wear a dark suit, not normally, but, you know, I'm playing here. And I come over from there, and I tell you what they told me is going on. And I deliver it as if I know what's going on and it's really true. I've got a clue if it's true. But they tell me, and they wouldn't lie, would they? Would Tony Blair lie about what's really happening? Would George Bush, please? I'm a journalist, trust me. And so, what we call news you, what you get paid a lot of money for reading autocue about, is merely propaganda that they have told me and I tell you. David Icke. BBC, ITN, CNN, CBS, Sky News, Westman. Hey, this is Steve from the Chocolate, Chocolate Drop. Drop. And, and if, if you, you haven't heard the show lately, here's, here's a little bit of what you've been missing. My week is over. Thank God. <laughs> uh, oh, God damn. You see how Steve get down, right? Steve wicked. <laughs> so you wicked, Steve. I slap you again. Oh, there ain't no cameras in here. I don't know what her problem was. Why she was licking people's cheese. See, black people mess it up for everybody, man. <laughs> you know, somebody black to complain, <laughs> and they call me a racist. The back of the toilet looks like a Jackson Pollock. <laughs> um, I don't like that. You ever seen a vein this big? <laughs> oh my god! Um, I don't like that. She ate a rubber glove. And she had to have her dog. <laughs> insane. Absolutely insane. Um, I don't like that. Saturdays, 11 a.m. Mountain Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time. RazRadioLive.com and Salty Talk Radio. We talk about weed.
This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Remember, all I'm offering is the truth, nothing more. Welcome to the first 52 on RazRadioLive.com, RadioFreeBlood.com, and Radio Chaos. It is Tuesday, January 19th, 2016. Yet another week has come and gone, and more crazy things have just continued to go on. I've got a great show planned for you tonight, guys. It's going to be very interesting. i got uh, Rayford Davis. Uh, he's from Leap Law Enforcement Against Prohibition. He'll be joining us in the second hour, about 7.15, give or take. And we're going to have a lot of stuff we're going to talk about. Uh, my favorite my favorite lines. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about. It'll be very interesting to speak with him. I have spoken with him as a caller to his show before, but never as the host of the show. So I'm excited. I'm very excited. You know I get when I have new guests? You know, I get to learn about them and how they are. They get to learn about me and how I am. And then we usually end up agreeing on most things and continue the conversation. So that will be a great interview tonight. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Of course, prior to that, I have my normal, you know, I'll give you some news with my opinion attached to it. Got a bunch of different articles to go over. We're going to go over everything from vaccines uh, to the government to taxation to uh, laws. I don't know. We got, I I got so many tabs I'm staring at here. You know, we'll just go over it all. I want to thank Shannon Burke, of course, yet again. Uh, I love doing uh, doing the segment with him on Tuesdays at uh, 1215. ShannonBurkShow.com if you ever want to check that out. Yeah, we don't agree, normally. Today we did a little bit. But hey, he's a good guy, for the most part. We'll see what happens. <laughs> so it's been a long, long, long week since I spoke with you last. Yeah, you know, we all go through things in life, things that, that we have to think about, things that we have to change and do. And we all run across that. I think a lot of what's going to change is going to be for the positive for this show, for my personal life, for my mental capacity. And I'm hoping it leads to much better shows for you guys. It's just how it's just how it goes. Where shall we start tonight? You know, I'm not I never really argue about, you know, fuel and 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 green energy and. All those different things. I don't. I don't really get into that debate. There's a lot of people that cover that kind of stuff, and I. I would like to express, and I'm not against green energy sources. I don't think we should be forced, but I think they should be allowed to us at a reasonable rate. You know, something that we can afford, something that's, you know, allows us to help if we want to. You know, I would love to have solar and wind power. I live in an apartment complex right now, so I can't have that for myself. But that is one day when we have a house. That's what I want to do. I want to put solar and wind in, or at least solar. I live in the Sunshine State, and we're probably the furthest behind on the technology here. They, they've tried to increase it a lot. 
And we have other states that are very sunny with a lot of open space that could do this. And you don't even need a lot of open space. I mean, we have pool heaters on top of our roofs here. Why can't we mix some solar panels in with that? Why can't we mix the pool heater and the solar panel together and make them work as a team? That would make sense, wouldn't it? Sunny Nevada just killed the solar industry with a 40% tax hike, derailing the off-the-grid movement. While Nevadians were celebrating the holidays under solar-powered lights, the Nevada Public Utility Commission voted unanimously to increase a monthly fee on solar customers by 40%, while reducing the amount they get paid for the excess power sold to the grid. Adding insult to injury, they made the rate changes retroactive, sabotaging customers' investments in solar energy. The single move by the government regulators will effectively kill the solar industry in Nevada and put an end to the surge of people seeking to detach from the grid by harnessing their own energy from the sun. Just as important, it serves to protect the profits of Nevada's public utility companies. This is a problem. This is not something that we would want to see happen. We, We should be reducing the taxes on this. We shouldn't... We shouldn't allow government and big business to take that freedom and that ability away from us. They just want the rich to have it easy. That's not how it works. It will destroy the rooftop solar industry in one of the states with the most sunshine. There is so much wrong with the decision, said Solar City CEO Lyndon Reavy. The one beneficiary of this decision would be NV Energy whose monopoly will have been protected. So again, we have government and big business colluding together to take your money and force you to do what they want you to do, not what you want to do, not what you feel is proper. The government is going to tell you that you can't have that by making it too expensive for you. Just another big step of intrusion. And we're going to talk a lot of intrusion tonight. As we get into the law enforcement, obviously that is lined up in my discussion. I mean, I do have a former Leo getting ready to join us and discuss things like that. We've been following ISIS. We've all discussed, you know, what we believe was the creation of ISIS and where they came from and and how they grow grew and. You know, a lot of us believe that there's some CIA connection. Right? I mean, I, I think I'm, I'm not speaking out of hand when I say that. Some kind of connection, whether it be financing, training, both. There's other countries involved, too. I guess recently, an ISIS terrorist was captured. And he had some very interesting things that he wanted to admit. In August 2014, I was training in the Turkish town of Aden with one of ISIL's emirs. There were 60 of us in a village not far from the airport. Media reported that we were training in the Free Syrian Army's camps, but in fact, all 60 of those who were there were ISIL members. In the morning, we woke up and did training drills. Once a week, we had shooting classes where we were taught to use Kalashnikovs, machine guns and other weapons. We had two instructors. One of them was from the military. He spoke only Turkish, so another one had to translate for him. We were trained in Turkey because ISIL's commanders thought it was safer there than in Syria because of the bombardments there. 
Weapons were brought to us in civilian cars, not in military ones because fighter jets might have bombed them. ISIL is now mostly using civilian vehicles. I've heard they put vegetables on top of boxes with ammunition so that warplanes do not spot them. Well, Islamic State's online activity has mostly focused on fear-mongering and recruitment. Abdurrahman was among those working with ISIL's social media accounts. I was making contact with Syrians who wanted to join ISIL and help them to arrive in Turkey and start training. After I finished the training, I went to one of the districts in the Turkish town of Aden. My task was to meet the newly arrived recruits from Syria. After the training, we sent them to the Turkish town of Urfa. From there, the recruits were transferred via the Turkey-Syria border crossing back to Syria's Raqqa. And from there, further across Syria. Good old Turkey. Supporting ISIS. Shooting down Russian planes. Now, we pick our, we pick the really bad allies a lot of times. So, you know, we're in Syria because that's where the stronghold of ISIS is. But is it really where it is? Where is the true stronghold for ISIS? I don't get into the refugees, refugee issue because I'm not there. I don't believe 100% of the news reports. You know, they pick the worst people, this ISIS group. And they're going to have dirtbags and scumballs. You know, kind of like we'll have the same thing in the law enforcement every once in a while. No, that's not really true. I'm just being a dick at that point in time. But you get my point. We don't need uh, to battle ISIS in Syria or Iraq. We need to stop funding them. We need to take the our allies, the people that are supposed to work with us. We need to take them out of the equation. I got an idea. Why don't we just come home and forget about all of it and let them deal with it and just protect ourselves? If that's really such a big thing that we have to worry about. But, you know, they'll continue to push the lies and, and the distraction and finance and, and train and equip these guys. Where is it going to lead, man? I, I really wonder sometimes. I really wonder where it's going to lead. I guess apparently uh, I, I got a news flash. I'm, I'm, I got Fox over here. Got to be honest, it's Fox. Uh, it's just what I pulled up. I got it live in the background over here. And uh, I guess Sarah Palin is going to come out and endorse Donald Trump. Or already has, allegedly. I haven't seen it yet. And this is another thing I don't really get into. I, I said last week, I'm glad to see Jerry Johnson has, uh, Gary Johnson has thrown his hat in the, uh, in the ring. I know a lot of people out there still like Ron Paul. Or Rand Paul, I'm sorry. I never really 100% trusted Rand Paul. Uh, I, I would vote for him if he was an option, probably. I'd like to believe that, uh, he plays the Warhawk to try to get uh, some people into it and, and to support him that normally wouldn't. I just wonder if he knows it pushes some of us away sometimes. A few weeks ago, I can't really remember when we discussed it. Uh, we discussed a one-year-old that died from vaccination. I guess recently the autopsy has come out. And, and they've determined the cause of death. Now, of course, they're not going to say it was the vaccinations, the six vaccinations he had had three days prior. They won't, they won't tell you that. This is from uh, Vax Truth. We wanted to update our readers on a story we, we recently published titled Indiana Baby Dies in His Sleep Days After Receiving Six Vaccine Doses. Autopsy results have revealed baby Michael White cells, liver, and vascular system were congested with when he passed away. The coroner ruled 
one-year-old Michael's death as sudden, unexplained infant death due to natural causes. And the specific vaccines were not listed on the autopsy. Were not listed on the autopsy. They didn't discuss the vaccines in the autopsy. Because, you know, you can't connect the death of a baby to the vaccinations he had a few days before because nobody will trust vaccines anymore. It's a very sad story. Uh, here we go. Michael's autopsy reports findings. The, the autopsy results revealed Michael was not abused at all. The auto, autopsy report showed Michael White Cell's liver and vascular system were congested. The coroner ruled one-year-old Michael's cause of death as sudden unexplained infant death due to natural causes and the specific vaccines he had received were not listed on the report. The medical examiner confirmed Michael had vascular congestion in his brain, thymus, heart, lungs, liver, spleen, kidney, adrenals, urinary bladder, gastrointestinal tract, pancreas, and thyroid. Pechenia, I don't even know what that, of the thymus and lungs were noted. P-E-T-E-C-H-I-A-E of the thymus and lungs were noted, along with pulmonary and vascular congestion. The toxicology report came back negative and and mentioned his urine was positive for glucose. It's very troubling that the fact that he had vaccines three days prior is not mentioned. As expected, there were no mentions of Michael's auto- in Michael's autopsy report of the specific MMR, varicella, and hepatitis A vaccines Michael had received just before he died. Only the flu shot was specified. On the entire art- autopsy report, patholog- pathology report, the only mention of the vaccines Michael received shortly before his death was the sentence the coroner wrote. Brittany also told me that Michael had received his 12-month vaccinations and flu shot on October 19th at the office of the doctor, of Dr. Blah, blah, blah. They have it blanked out. There's a reason I stopped vaccinating, or we stopped vaccinating our child. We took him in, and we saw the reaction in him. And that was the last time. He developed a childhood um, asthma. It was very bad. Very, very bad. After we stopped vaccinating, it went away. Just went away. Never had another moment where he needed to use a nebulizer. Imagine that. It just goes away when we stop vaccinating. I don't tell people what to do. How to take care of their child. And I don't hold, you know, I don't, I don't get mad at people when they do what they want to do. It's their child. It's their choice how they handle it. It's just sad that people don't educate themselves to the possibilities of what these things can do. They are not safe. They are not efe- effective, efficient. And we continue to give six vaccines in one sitting to children, and then we wonder why our children nowadays act the way they do, have behavioral problems, are sick all the time, are obese. We wonder why. When you mess with the the human body, you do damage. 
when you put unnatural things in there, like mercury or formaldehyde or any other number of things that are in these vaccines, you're going to damage the body. You're going to hurt it. No matter how much you think you're doing good, if it doesn't belong in there, don't put it in there. Let the body build, become strong. Learn how to protect itself. You know, and they want to keep us safe with vaccines. Want to make sure that, that nobody gets sick and there's not a lot of death. What else does the government try to protect us from? Uh, there's a lots of stuff that we could really list as what the government tries to protect us from. This one is just comical. I just find it very comical. The U.S. government wants to keep you from wearing comfy ball boxers. The regrettably named Norwegian underwear brand Comfy Balls was all set to make its big debut in the U.S. this year when it was shut down by the country's patent and trademark office. A trademark on Comfy Balls, USPTO argued, was just too vulgar for Americans to accept. (laughs) I find that amusing. It's too vulgar for Americans to accept. have they ever watched some of the movies that are very popular in this country? Have they watched some of the cartoons, you know, adult cartoons that are on regular TV that, you know, are maybe a little vulgar? The Independent reports on the tri- tribulations of the company, which was already comforting balls across Australia, New Zealand, Scandinavia, and the UK when its trademark application was denied. But American authorities banned it from operating under the name, finding that in the context of the application's goods, comfy balls means only one thing, that a man's testicle or balls will be comfortable in the applicant's undergarment. The mark does not create a double entendre or other idiomatic expressions when used in that this way. The words balls has to be has an offensive meaning. Balls. It's offensive. What makes comfy balls so comfy? According to the company, the first sized, the first sized crotch protrusionist you see on the pair above isn't just for looks. Au contraire. It is the pinnacle of testicle technology. <laughs> uh, I just found that very amusing. And, and the government must protect us because, you know, it's too vulgar for us to accept. It, they just, they get so comical sometimes. I mean, you gotta admit, some of the crap that comes out, it, it just makes you wonder what people are thinking. People in power are actually coming up with these ideas to stop comfy balls. Because it's not double entendre. Because it's basically saying your balls will be comfy. <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> I don't want to talk about that. I'm saving that for Rayford. Uh, yeah, Rayford Davis will be joining me in the second hour, about 7.15-ish, give or take. I am very, very excited to talk with him. It should be fun. We're going to cover all kinds of things. Uh, obviously, a lot of the things I really enjoy talking about, which is bad police, accountability, doing the right thing. Those are all the things that we will discuss with Rayford. I will take calls here in the next segment. Uh, 
0401. If you, if you want to join in, if you got any thoughts or ideas, uh, maybe you don't like the way I just covered some of my stories. Maybe you got some questions for Rayford later on. I won't be taking calls when he's on. I'm letting you know that now. I don't, I don't take calls when I have guests unless they want to do that. You guys are listening to First 52, RazRadioLive.com, RadioFreeBlood.com, Radio Chaos. Yes, we are in three stations now. I appreciate both Jack and Don for allowing me to uh, fill your ears with my BS on their stations. I'll be back with you in a couple minutes. Look at my crayon. Hold on. What am I supposed to say? What am I doing here? <laughs> <laughs> What's your name again? Don Raz. Fortoed and Lexi. Oh, I meant to Fortoed. Sure. Oh, Poor no. Dave. Dave. <laughs> Hey, it's always great to be on the first 52 with Sean Raz for Toad and Lexi. You know, I think that sounds like shit. What am I, give me a script here. Come on, I can't do this. You're putting me on, under pressure. Bob, don't worry about it here. And uh, Dr. Bob. Dr. Bob, yeah. Dr. Bob Tuscan. It's Bob Tuscan, and you're listening to the first 52 on Raz Radio with my buddies Sean Raz and Lexi Raz and that guy for Toad. We have been compelled to create a permanent armaments industry of vast proportions. The total influence, economic, political, even spiritual, is felt in every city, every state house, every office of the federal government. We must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military industrial complex.
haven't heard a show lately. Here's a little bit of what you've been missing. My week is over. Thank God. Uh, oh, God damn. <laughs> See how Steve get down, right? Steve's wicked. You <laughs> say you wicked, Steve. I slap you again. I don't, there ain't no cameras in here. Oh, I don't know what her problem was, why she was licking people's cheese. See, black people mess it up for everybody, man. <laughs> you know somebody black to complain, <laughs> and they call me a racist. Back in the toilet looks like a Jackson Pollock. <laughs> Um, I don't like that. You ever seen a vein this big? <laughs> oh my god! Um, I don't like that. She ate a rubber glove, and she had to have her dog. <laughs> <It was> insane! <laughs> it was absolutely insane. Um, I don't like that. Saturdays, eleven a.m. Mountain Time, one p.m. Eastern Time. RazRadioLive.com and, and Salty Talk Radio. Radio. We talk, we talk about the abducted, forced in prison, tortured, and threatened with further torture without charge, without trial. Even many soldiers had said to me afterwards, was a hell if you weren't a terrorist when you came in here, by the time you leave, I'm sure you would be because of the way you've been treated. Let us never tolerate outrageous conspiracy theories concerning the attacks of September the 11th. Malicious lies that attempt to shift the blame away from the terrorists themselves, away from the guilty. People are always asking me, yo Gemini, what's your angle? Are you a devil or an angel? And I say both, as I continue to blame the Knights Templar and the Hospitallers, the real reason New York lost their towers. Don't sit back or hesitate to react to the impact. Many taking a nap. In fact, they would fake an attack to make way for the Patriot Act. Some say, hey, it ain't safe to say that, but it's the same game. Different name on the map as they place blame. And they aim at a racket. It's a damn shame because they never claimed the hijack. Following the fiddle, one would have found hero. The town hero responsible for ground zero. Objects in the mirror close them. They appear so clear. Your ear to hear the sound of fear grow. Beware the evil, the dragon, and the ego. And footage that they show that we are forced to see slow. Persecuted and disputed because of the queen. All the strings that control these kings come from below. Observe the nerve of this dark heart government. Thinking they can devoid a spark with another mint. Walk right up. Take the Ark of the Covenant. The cards have been pulled by the shark. And I'm loving it. Look hard. And you will find seven. Head to the beast behind 9-11. Wrapped in filing. Even John Lennon couldn't imagine this modern day Armageddon We've been ambushed, pushed to the edge Persecuted cause we disputed to know the ledge Pledge allegiance, not even if the world stops turning Never trust the bush unless it's burning We've all been ambushed, pushed to the edge Persecuted cause we disputed to know the ledge Pledge allegiance, not even if the world stops turning Never trust the bush unless it's burning There is a chance for the President of the United States To use this disaster to carry out what his father, a phrase his father used, I think, only once, and hasn't been used since, and that is a new world order. From junior to senior to crap, a press cot to the Nazi mouse house and the center at Epcot. Let's not forget their messed up mascot. Skull and bones digging up Geronimo's rest spot. These fallen thrones are not alone in their upset plot. These garden gnomes are part of home, so I take my best shot. With the heart of stones, they are prone to never get caught. Is there a cold phone details and emails on your desktop? Many be growing up gaudy like Mayor Giuliani. Practicing karate with the Illuminati. A tanto Kimosabi who's quick to kill somebody for the love of mud, honey.
money or a little blood money. I don't find these thugs funny. They sell drugs to bucks funny. Not that it's any of my business that I'm his at that. ducks funny. Just hide it when they laugh at me and want my dreadlocks done. When they kill tiny children, left many building blocks bloody. The square and the compass and the almanac. Are you aware that they're amongst us and it's all an act? Some Yeza and his Ezlub now come crawling back. Drove to Bohemian Grove dressed all in black. A serpent king worshipping a stone owl. The dragon Ronald Reagan ain't Colin Powell. Flipping scripture like Vanna White, showing a vowel. We have to plan to fight and never throw in the towel. We've been ambushed, pushed to the edge. Persecuted cause we disputed to know the ledge. Pledge allegiance, not even if the world stops turning. Never trust the bush unless it's burning. We've all been ambushed, pushed to the edge. Persecuted cause we disputed to know the ledge. Pledge allegiance, not even if the world stops turning. Never trust the bush unless it's burning. Supreme Court's ruling that said that uh, we must conduct ourselves under the common article 3 of the Geneva Convention. And that common article 3 says that you know there will be no outrages upon human dignity. It's, 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 it's like it's very vague. What does that mean? You're listening to 52. Listen to all of them. Listen to all 52 with Sean Rath and me, Brad Friedman of Bradblock.com, the guy you love to love. Welcome back to the first 52 on RazRadioLive.com, RadioFreeBlood.com, and Radio Chaos. As we know, we've been losing a lot of musicians recently. It's pretty scary at how quickly they're going and how young. Glenn Frey was one of them. Or Glenn Frey, I'm sorry. I loved the Eagles growing up. My dad was an oldies DJ. You, you fly safe, my friend. We'll be waiting for you. We'll miss you. On a dark highway, cool this is absolutely one of my favorites. I don't know why. It always has been. When you grow up on oldies, I know this isn't really oldie, but it's considered an oldie now, definitely. This is what I grew up listening to. Music like this, the 50s and 60s. Back, I've said this before, back when music was good. Back when we enjoyed music, when it made sense. When it made you think a little more. Maybe you maybe you want to be in an insane asylum. Maybe well, that's what that hotel is. Maybe it's time to go to the insane asylum. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the hotel America's crumbling before you. <laughs> uh, I got a very exciting news. I'm sure a lot of you guys out there in the Radio Free Bloodland will like this. I will have my first in-studio guest next week. Yes, Greg Knight. The infamous Greg Knight will be joining me live from Lexicon Studios right here in Rotunda, West Florida. He's moved locally and he's going to take the drive up to to be able to sit down and and talk with me on the radio. He's going to stay, I, I believe he's staying for the full show, so I'm sure we'll have many of things to discuss. Uh, it's going to be our first time meeting in person, so that's exciting in itself. You know, I get excited when I get to meet people that I've met through this, this operation of, of trying to save the world <laughs> instead of destroy it. So yeah, Greg will be joining me next week. Again, Rayford Davis will be joining me tonight at 7.15-ish. And, of course, we're going to talk about some more, uh, you know, stuff. Stuff that bothers me. Stuff that I think about. 
How's that sound for you? Are you ready for that? Because I got a list of, of just tabs after tabs after tabs. <laughs> World traveler, Greg Knight. Yes, he is. I'm excited to have him here. Uh, it'll be a good time. Tabs and tabs and tabs of stuff. Us conspiracy theorists, us crazy people, have always talked about population reduction. Now, the elite don't need us. And, of course, those that don't believe what we talk about will say, well, you know, who's going to do the mundane jobs for them? Who's going who's gonna to pick and cook for them and, and make sure that the stuff they don't want to do is taken care of? Who is it? Robots to the rescue. Uh, his name is DRC Hubo. DRC Hubo is the latest version of the, the Hubo series. He can do something task. The, the place, a very dangerous place, where the human being cannot go through. He can uh, open the door and something close the valve. He can also drive a vehicle by himself. He has camera and LiDAR sensor. They can scan all the 3D data, and he can recognize all objects. Yeah, we can imagine the, the Fukushima plant. Uh, you cannot go inside, so a robot can, can go through. Actually, this robot is uh, very prototype. This is the very beginning. In 10 years and, and 20 years, he can doing everything in, in Mars or something very dangerous place that we expecting to making this the very fancy robot. Very fancy robot. Very, very fancy robot. Yes, we'll have robots. I don't know. Rise of the robots will eliminate more than 5 million jobs by 2020. Yeah, that's that's how they get rid of us. They put us in the poorhouse. They poison us with chemtrails and, and, and nasty food and crap in our water. Look at Michigan. Flint. <laughs> They're all concerned. You know, are concerned about these little, you know, rust particles and stuff in their water. Maybe they should be concerned with the fluoride in their water. You know, that's not really a good thing to have in your water either. But they don't, they don't concern themselves with that. But we'll get to that maybe later. Over 5 million jobs will be lost by 2020 as a result of developments in genetics, artificial intelligence, robotics, and other technical, technological change, according to World Economic Forum research. About 7 million jobs will be lost and 2 million gained as a result of technolo- technological change in, a, in 15 major developing and emerging, economy, emerging economies. WEF founder Klaus Schwab and managing board member Richard Samantz said in the future of jobs, the findings are taken from a survey of 15 econo- economies covering about 1.9 billion workers or about 65% of the world's total workforce. The blurred lines between physical, digital, and biological spheres amount to a fourth industrial revolution, according to the WEF, which will address the idea as the idea at its annual meeting of political makers, academics, and economists in Davos, Switzerland. Oh, that good old meeting. It's already a hot topic, thanks in part to the books such as The Second Machine Age and The Rise of the Robots, while Bank of England Chief Economics Andy Handel, whatever his name is, has warned that the millions of jobs at risk from automated automation are creating issues officials need to address. Now we can we can go back to the creation of the assembly line, and then you know we had people there working hard, tedious work, it was hot work. There was unions, 
People had to be paid. And then what did we do? We slowly brought robots in. Destroyed um, cities because of this. People didn't have jobs. Thousands and thousands and thousands of jobs were lost. And some people were able to transition into another career, more than likely making a heck of a lot less than they were making at that job in the the uh, the uh, assembly line. Yeah, I'm sure. The thousands of people, hundreds of thousands maybe even, who never even got to be employed because of that. I am not against technological growth. I'm not against the advancement of our society through the use of technology. But the problem is, is what do we do to society? What do we do to the working class? What do we do to the people that struggle when there's nothing there for them to do because they don't have a high education? They don't have the ability to to get a better job. Maybe all they're good with is their hands. Maybe all they can do is turn that bolt. It's all they're mentally capable of doing because they're just not smart people. And I'm not putting anybody down. I mean, we have to admit, there's people out there that that's the job for them. So we eliminate the possibility of them having employment, which they become unemployed, and they get, what do they get? Yes, that's what they get. They get government funding, unemployment, government health care, food stamps. And listen, I'm not against any of those things. I'm not against any of them. We're needed. But when we force people into it through things like advancement, how do we win that? How do we ever get ahead? It's really hard to. It's, it's almost impossible to. You can't change a person's basic mentality. You can't make somebody able to do a job that they're just not able to do. So what do they end up working at Burger King or McDonald's? Well, eh, we're seeing the change there where you walk up and order your own food. There's no more need for that cashier. This happens at Walmart. I mean, look, we got 159 Walmarts closing. There's multiple different reasons I believe that's happening. Well, it's 200 and something, but 159 here in America, 158, whatever it is here in America. First of all, I think greed. They oversaturated areas and realized that they couldn't keep all these things open within two, three, four, ten miles of each other. That would be one reasoning that I think is is why this is happening to them. The second reason is obviously a lot of people just don't go there. I mean, I... I'm not going to say I don't ever shop at Walmart because I do every once in a while. I mean, you got to admit, sometimes that there's specific things that you know you can just get the cheapest there. And it doesn't make me proud to say I've shopped at Walmart or that I do every once in a while even still. I don't get my food there, though. I'll guarantee you that. <laughs> but, you know, again, this is this is the, the this goes right with the technology discussion. When you grow too big, when you oversaturate, when you, 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 you hurt small business, that's what they do. In my opinion, my personal opinion, that's, you're going to suffer in the long run. People are going to angry and not use your, your product. You know, from, I, I don't, you look at the full history of Walmart and Sam Walton back in the day. I would believe that that was originally started as a very positive thing. I'll bet you he would have never wanted what has become of Walmart now. 
and how it how it does do a considerable amount of damage to the economics of a town it goes into. Now I'm not a big economic guy, you know. Forto, my old co-host, he was always really big on the economics. But you think about it, it makes sense. You don't need ten stores within a ten-mile radius. It just does. It's it's not good business to begin with. It's just not. You, you you. It just doesn't make sense. So I'm glad to see a bunch of WalMarts closing. I'm not upset by that. That doesn't bother me at all. I'm very very glad to see that happening. I just wonder where it all stops. I wonder where it all stops. I'm sure we all remember when uh, we lost a a man in the in the patriot movement, in the freedom movement, in the whatever movement we want to call it. Uh, David Crowley allegedly killed himself, his wife and his kid. He's having a hard time in life. That's what they say. Now, a lot of new information has been released about that, and I'm still very fuzzy. On, on the story, I, I don't buy the story at all. It just doesn't Lee make producer sense. Who murdered his wife and daughter before taking his own life. But the murder-suicide a year ago was far from cut and dry. Tonight, new and disturbing details we've never heard before. Tom Lydon of the Fox 9 Investigators has been given unprecedented access, and he's here to tell us what he's learned. And, Tom, uh, some of this will be very difficult to hear. Mm -hmm. You know, some of it will be, but I think you're going to see that it's important at this point to really get all the facts out on the table. I think that's the most important thing here. For the last year, this case has become the subject of much speculation and plenty of theories on the Internet, most of it completely wrong. The reality is the truth of what happened to David Crowley and his family is stranger and sadder than anyone imagined. 45 S41, I'm in the area. To the right of the RP sees dead bodies inside the house, dog inside, sees a gun in the house on the floor. To look at... I'd like to say I had turned my mic off. Sorry, this is a long story, and I'm not going to play the whole thing. It's 10, 10 minutes and 15 seconds long. But uh, it, right there, right where I was trying to pause it and come the in three and, and talk to you through guys, the inst it said, hold on, i got to back up because I, I, I was slow on the button. Better uh, than anyone imagined. Uh, what is it? 45 on, oh, there it is. Gray, states, gray state of mind is, is what they have on the screen here. Gray state of mind. To the right of the RP sees dead bodies inside the house, dog inside, sees a gun in the house on the floor. To look at the three of them through the Instagram filter of life, it's hard to imagine how it all went so wrong. David Crowley, a talented, promising young filmmaker, his smart and beautiful wife, Kamel, a dietitian, and their adorable five-year-old daughter, Rania. Living on a quiet street in Apple Valley, in a home that contained their many dreams, and one horrific nightmare. This is the ideal family, seemingly. Uh, and everything went terribly wrong. My impression is it was very intense in the early days of this investigation. Apple Valley Police recently closed their exhaustive year-long investigation and for the first time are sharing their findings with the Fox 9 investigators. As you said, this is really what I want to get into. So. Do you have an idea of what those final moments looked like? It was horrifying. Uh, you have a tragic loss of an entire family. Uh, it looks like David uh, snapped and took the lives of his wife and daughter, and then ultimately himself. 
and it was a very sad scene. You know, during the holidays, a beautiful family, and just tragically lost. And from the start, it was a case wrapped in suspicion and mystery. Here's the red flags. With paranoid theories all over the internet. Guys out here going after the truth, get knocked off. That the Crowleys were murdered as some kind of government conspiracy. Did the government want to silence him and his film? All because of a personal film project David Crowley had worked on obsessively for years, called Grey State. This is a concept trailer for Grey State, which imagines the U.S. government taking away all our liberties. FEMA turning into a militarized, occupying police force. In short, the Grey State is the culminating manifestation of the darkest trends our negligence and malignancy have to offer. Because I think at the tail end of it, he was living the Grey State. Danny Mason was a co-producer on Grey State. It, it almost embodied him, um, almost to the extent of where it uh, would... It dictate a lot of his thoughts and his ideas and his, I guess, outlook in reality. Investigators spent months sifting through 20 terabytes of video David Crowley had kept on more than a dozen hard drives, looking for clues. How much of this do you think had to do with the film? I think a great deal. Uh, from all accounts, he was consumed with producing this film. And... Uh, it was a dark topic. Here you're talking about conspiracy theories and potentially the fall of society. And There's that word again, conspiracy theories. You're focusing theories. on that day in and day out, and those are materials you're work, working with and you're filming exclusively on that topic. I, that can take you to a very bad place. I must say, you know, I, I do this day in and day out. I don't ever, uh, don't spend time every day. Even though I'm not doing a show, I still spend time populating my Facebook and Twitter with with news and information and conspiracy theories. What are they trying to do? It, it, I don't buy any of this. I'm going to let this keep going. I know I said I wasn't, but there's a lot of information here that, that I think they'll present a little bit. Well, they're going to present what they want to present. Uh, yes, he was a veteran at outclassed. Uh, stand by. Let's, let's continue to hear what they have to say. Uh, I might pop back in again. Just sit tight. So you think he literally went down the rabbit hole of these conspiracy theories and just couldn't separate himself from it? I believe so. In the summer of 2014, Crowley traveled to Hollywood to meet with producers interested in Gray State. But by fall, the deal had fizzled. And the couple began withdrawing from friends and family. Kamel had told her family she was the sole breadwinner, that she was not physically or emotionally abused, but the financial struggles made her question the marriage. He just lost his way, financially lost his way, um, life, stress. When his friend Mason Hendricks stopped by to see him, it was like meeting someone he didn't know. David wouldn't even invite him in the home. He looked uh, like he literally was eat, sleeping, and breathing um, on his computer. Failure was not an option for him. By October, the family was essentially cut off from the world. David and Kamel stopped talking to their families, asking everyone to stay away even changing their phone numbers. David's brother left their Christmas presents on the front step to avoid a confrontation. And there the gift stayed for three weeks until January 17th last year. Concerned neighbors discovered the three bodies looking in the front window. A sliding back door was found slightly ajar, apparently for the family dog. But there were no footprints in the snow, no sign of forced entry. Inside, detectives would find a scene of domestic horror 
and normalcy. Teasing little love notes the couple left for each other around the house, an innocent child's room. Much of the crime scene itself we will not show you. All three bodies were found in the living room next to each other. They were badly decomposed and scavenged by the family dog. Judging by the mail piling up and a paper in the home, the murder-suicide took place the day after Christmas. David shooting Kamel twice in the head, Rania once, before shooting himself. Between their bodies, a Koran, with pages torn out, opened to a traditional forgiveness prayer. And there on the wall, above the bodies, scrawled in blood, the words, Allah Akbar, God is the greatest. Um, who wrote Allah Akbar on the wall? He did. In her blood? Yes. Why did he do that? We believe that was just kind of a parting shot. A parting shot. A parting shot at her religion that she had given up to marry him. To who? Probably at her for having a Muslim past. Really? David did not kill himself right away. He left a trail of footprints, tracking Kamel's blood through the house. In the living room, his bloody fingerprint is on a laptop, open to a text file with only a single sentence. I have loved you all with all of my heart. In the home office, on a notepad, more bloody fingerprints, and the words, Submit to Allah now. This is a person that was not thinking clearly. Uh, committed a horrible act uh, by taking those lives. And I, his mind at that point was deranged. He just was not in a, in a normal state. He wasn't thinking rationally. What do you make of him scrawling Allah Akbar? That, I believe, is... That's David being sarcastic. That's him possibly throwing a, a jab. Um, a jab at Kamel's family? Possibly. Kamel, who was born and raised in Pakistan, had converted from Islam to Christianity when the couple married. He was in the army, she was in college, but religion never seemed to play a significant role in their lives, according to family and friends. Allah Akbar they see as a twisted riddle, like something from one of David's scripts. A plot twist without resolution. We may never know what made David Crowley finally snap. Certainly the conspiracy theorists will fill in some of those gaps. But we do know this. There are some 1,500 murder-suicides in the U.S. every year. They account for about 5% of all homicides, and their numbers seem to be increasing. They'll let the conspiracy theorists fill in the details. You know, former military man, um, a lot of us believe in something called MKUltra. Who knows what has happened to him? Uh, maybe he did. I find it very hard to believe that somebody that's very similar to me, very similar to a lot of you listening, could snap that way. I mean, I get mad at this stuff sometimes. It really bothers me. It bothers me more that people won't listen. But I would never take my wife and child's life because of that. I just couldn't imagine being driven to that kind of action because of, of doing this. And I don't think he would either. Uh, Scott won't be on tonight. Scott Ledger, dangerous conversation. He's having some technical issues. But he interviewed him before. 
He interviewed both the filmmakers in studio, if I'm not mistaken. I just, I don't know. Maybe maybe Scott can talk about this information next week when he comes back uh, and gets everything fixed up. I'd, I'd like to hear, after looking in that man's eyes, if, if he really thinks that he could have done this. If he really thinks that that it's feasible this guy killed his family and himself. You can see a lot in somebody's eyes. You can tell a lot by looking in someone's eyes. All the big extraordinary scenes in Berlin tonight as thousands of people gathered to hear Barack Obama deliver a key foreign policy speech on his current European tour. Democratic presidential hopeful laid out his vision for America's place in the new world order, saying he was speaking as a proud citizen of the world, of the world, of the world. It is a big idea. idea. Taking a moment to second guess The Masonic Order or the IRS The Carlisle Group and the CFR The Bohemian Grove and other so bizarre The rulers of the world operating in the shadows For oil, throw the leader in the gallows Still the free man, it's land to the fascists Have a little taste every time you pay taxes The facts still remain, slowly see the change Keeping you in line as they tighten up the reins The boogeyman's to blame for global mainframe Then they'll kill 80% when we see the end game, such a shame it won't stop. Stop, eyes wide shut. Listen close to my words because it's time to wake up. It's time to live free or die. die. See through the lies. It's lies. time to save this republic. Stand up and rise. Have you ever taken a moment to second question? Found yourself entangled in evil deceptions. Uncovered the truth to infernal dimension. A group of elitists with demonic intentions. It's time to pay attention to the world unveiled. Hidden in plain sight with grim details. Three simple letters, what do they spell? Fuck the new world order, we will prevail. They call it new world order, a design to tame us. The global elitists, like pawns, they play us. Time to open your eyes, realize the disguise. CNN and Fox News, steady spitting out their lies. The media's corrupted, corrupted. the data what you know. No repeaters for reporters like you 20 below. Internet can't be trusted, it's one like a tiger. If you choose to think freely, then you must be Al-Qaeda. From the moment you were born, every step's preconceived. Uh -huh. Implanted in your Mind a phony sense of destiny Giving up your freedom Fuck for fast security Got the whole world tipped RFID Have you ever taken a moment to second question? Found yourself entangled in evil deceptions Uncover the truth to infernal dimension A group of elitists with demonic intentions It's time to pay attention to the world unveiled Hidden in plain sight with grim details Three simple letters, what do they spell? Fuck the new world order, we will prevail Republican and Democratic presidents alike, from Harry Truman to George Bush, said, and it's a phrase that I often use myself, that we needed a new world order, 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 order. And people better understand that they mean exactly what they're saying. It's a new world order they're trying to create, and they're trying to do so uh, without approval or consent of the government in this country, uh, but despite the popular will. Uh, this is a straightforward assault by the elitists in this country, in this country, in this country. 
Have you ever taken a moment to stand up and fight? Stand up and for fight. liberty and freedom, bringing darkness for light. Defend the Constitution and the Bill of and Rights. Bill of Make them feel the wrath of God when we stand and unite. Ignite a revolution with noble persistence. Feel the retribution of the global resistance. Divided will fall and get lost in the distance. United will prosper with continued existence. Resist the new world order and the NAU. Checkpoints now, what you gonna do? You gonna run, do? don't slip, huh? flip, don't even trip. Uh -huh. Hit him with the fourth and straight flip the script. This shit's just so crazy. crazy. Obama's worse than Cheney. Uh -huh. Puppets of the masses microchipping your babies. Selling you convenience, exploiting the lazy. When you stand up for truth or submit to their slavery. Have you ever taken a moment to second question? Found yourself entangled in evil deceptions. Uncover the truth to infernal omission. A group of elitists with demonic intentions. It's time to pay attention to the world unveiled. Hidden in plain sight with grim details. Three simple letters, what do they spell? Fuck a new world order, we will prevail. Have you ever taken a moment to second question? Found yourself entangled in evil deceptions. Uncover the truth to infernal omission. A group of elitists with demonic intentions. It's time to pay attention to the world unveiled. Hidden in plain sight with grim details. I just wanted to take the time, take the time, write this to you myself because I think you get a bum rap. People always got something negative to say about you, man. I don't get it. Great job, great job, great job. We should be more appreciative, appreciative. <laughs> I can't believe people say you a hater just because we called for help and you came an hour later. Maybe you was extra busy stopping criminal acts. Some even said you pull people over because they black. All of y'all do a great job keeping your scope on us. And I refuse to believe you would plant some dope on us. They had to be wrong if you busted in their residence. They even lied and said you created fictional evidence. I gotta commend how you handle situations. Shot a youngster, beat his mama, and got a paid vacation. I know it's hard being you, so why would they question? In everything you do, we know it's all for our protection. Passing through our neighborhoods, spying at night. Some consider it harassment and denying our rights. You had to have a good reason for attempting to hurt us. Cause I know that y'all would never ever do it on purpose. Dear Mr. Policeman, why is everybody tripping? I just don't understand. I know you out here in the streets doing the best that you can. If I could meet you face to face, I would shake your hand. Dear Mr. Policeman, why is everybody tripping? I just don't understand. I know you out here in the streets doing the best that you can. If I could meet you face to face, I would shake your hand. Dear Mr. Policeman, them tickets you wrote for me costed over a grand. Didn't think that I was speeding, but you got me because. And since I know you wouldn't tell a lie, I guess that I was. Kind of struggling, so to not pay them is threatening my freedom. Thanks for showing up to court to make sure I didn't beat them. And we don't make it easy when we see.
see y'all coming Instead of just letting you beat us We be struggling and running I know you hate it when we make you have to use that stick Sorry. And by the way, that taser and that pepper spray did the trick I'm still walking funny Hope my vision kicks back in I know that I was wrong, sir I'll never jaywalk again Somebody told me you was jealous Cause that car was brand new I said the police jealous? That can never be true Maybe one day I can be as clever as you You care about us So you monitor whatever we do Dear Mr. Policeman, why is everybody tripping? I just don't understand. I know you out here in the streets doing the best that you can. If I could meet you face to face, I would shake your hand. Dear Mr. Policeman, why is everybody tripping? I just don't understand. I know you out here in the streets doing the best that you can. If I could meet you face to face, I would shake your hand. Pardon me, Mr. Policeman. These cuffs are cutting off the blood flow to my hands. It's amazing how you kicked that dude all in his face and beat the case, even though they had it all on tape. I know you love the people in the hood. How could you fake it? And that missing drug money, I know you didn't take it. I don't understand why people accuse you of hate. I know you only follow us to make sure that we safe. I saw nine of y'all against one, beating the brainless. That 65-year-old woman must have really been dangerous. Cleaning up the streets is your top priority. You qualify for this. Why would we question your authority? You only working hard following training. Why the hell are the Mexicans and blacks complaining? You gotta be the closest thing I've seen to perfect. And everybody that you locked up, they had to deserve it. Yeah. Dear Mr. Policeman, why is everybody tripping? I just don't understand. I know you out here in the streets doing the best that you can. If I could meet you face to face, I would shake your hand. Dear Mr. Policeman, why is everybody tripping? I just don't understand. I know you out here in the streets doing the best that you can. If I could meet you face to face, I would shake your hand. Mike Shader from, I don't know where I'm from. Mike Shader from the 7 dot com. You're listening to the first 52 on Raz Radio Live. That's all you want to see. <laughs> Alright guys, welcome back to the first 52 on RazRadioLive.com, RadioFreeBlood.com, and Radio Chaos. You know, it's still Tuesday, January 29th. We're still here, we're still doing our thing, and we're about to get pretty intense. Let me tell you a little bit about who we have joining us here tonight. Rayford Davis, he was a misguided, he was mis, I was misguided for participating in the drug wars, and my actions as a cop made things worse. He was a police officer for over six years, four years as a, a street cop, two years as a special agent. He did many of things. I, I spoke with him before, and there was one statement he made to me, and I'm sure we'll get to that statement eventually here tonight that uh, really made me appreciate him. And we will get to that. Uh, his perspective changed after patrolling a drug-plagued neighborhood nicknamed Fourway. He explains, Children as young as 10 were recruited by older gang members to openly sell drugs, rob customers, and intimidate local residents. Uh, intimidate local residents. I lost my place. How did I do that? So basically, it wasn't a good thing. He didn't enjoy doing it. And what do you do when you don't enjoy something? You change. You move into, into a different way of thinking. So, you know, that was a really crappy introduction, Rayford. I apologize. Rayford Davis, Mr. Davis, how are you doing? 
Hey, uh, thank you for having me on the show, Sant. Yeah, it was uh, a little over a year ago uh, with Kevin the Sticker Guy on uh, on LMR, and I think you were on that. Yeah, I that called was... in. <laughs> right. Yeah, we had a good a... time. Now, I I don't want to call you Mr. Davis. How should I address you? Because I yeah, called you Rayford. Ray, Rayford? Okay. Yeah. Like, oh, I called you Ray before, and you're like, oh, well, you know, that's not really uh, how I like to go by. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let's start here. Um, tell me a little about a little bit about yourself. Make that a uh, you know, I didn't really do a good job with your bio there. I'm kind of embarrassed by the way I did it. I got a lot going on in the head, and I, I get excited sometimes with certain guests. And you you happen to be one of those guests that kind of excites me a little bit. Uh, so tell me a little bit about your history. Explain what happened with you, and and that you know the comment I'm talking about that you made, right? Do you remember that comment? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, cool. Go ahead and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get we'll get to that. Yeah, let's go with your history first, and and inform the listeners of of what you where you came from. Yeah, so you know, I you said it. I was a police officer for six years in the city of North Charleston, uh, South Carolina. North Charleston was in the news uh, recently. That's the Walter Scott shooting, where the mm-hmm. police officer did the traffic stop and uh, unloaded on the poor guy in the back and killed him. Uh, hey, I chased bad guys down through that same tree line cut. Uh, that we see on that video. Uh, I was a normal cop. We have a normal department, 300-man police force in an average city. Uh, now, it was listed as like the eighth most dangerous city in the country at the time. Uh, very active. We had a pretty high murder rate. Uh, you know, our main mission was get guns and drugs off the street. Uh, you know, I came, grew up, uh, you know, Christian, conservative, have a bachelor's degree in criminal justice. Um, I wanted to get out there and serve my community and, you know, help people. I didn't go out there to bust heads or anything. I wanted to go out there and help. Now, I knew there was there's bad guys and, you know, I wanted to, uh, you know, to be there on the uh, pointy end of the spear and uh, and like I said, serve my community. And part of that is drugs. I think that's what most cops really want to do deep inside, too. Ab- absolutely. And, and, and so, yeah, 90% of them, they get out there, they really, uh, generally want to help. And that's what they're out there for. Uh, now, training, uh, is misguided. Uh, the drug laws that we're enforcing are misguided. Uh, you get a lot of cynicism built up. And that's where you see, uh, you know, all of these, uh, horrible abuses, uh, from, police officers and it's mostly the well-intentioned officers that, that really caused the most harm everything i tried to do was legal and constitutional yet it was really horribly oppressive well that's that's you know i just wrote down a question and you know i believe that most police officers want to help i, I believe they're out there because they they want to make a change they want to make society nicer and and more secure but how do they end up how do we end up with all these these problems, how do they end up into that position where they do something that isn't right? Well, uh, I'll try to kind of keep it with like the drug war because I think that's that's just a massive part of what uh, gets law enforcement so perverted uh, in its actions and so oppressive is um, – so you think of crime, you know, rape, robbery, burglary – uh, you have those type of issues, which are real and do exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you start with this, like this community policing broken windows approach where if you say there's a lot of crime involved with drugs, so let's stop the drugs and we can stop the small crimes and that will prevent these larger crimes from happening. 
So it's the push of the drug war that started with Reagan is is what you believe is has led to a lot of this um, th- these issues that we see. Absolutely. It certainly ramped up. You know, it, of course, the drug war really started 100 years ago, same as World War One, you know, 1914. And then we doubled down with, uh, you know, Nixon in, in, in the 1970s. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, we raised it up again, in, you know, in the 1980s, uh, you know, with this uh, with this crack plague and, and, and all of that. And which a lot of us believe was, you know, kind of orchestrated by you know, elements within the government. <laughs> I know. So you see that now, and, and which it should have been obvious in the beginning, you know, at the time too. But yeah, so officers get out there, and you get real aggressive. Uh, hey, let's stop the drugs. Then let's stop the drug dealing. We even go to that's where you're getting out with people just standing on the street that look kind of suspicious, and you start shaking them down. You start jumping out on people, and you we even arrest people for. Crack pipes. So even if they have a little glass pipe, as a drug paraphernalia, and it just we become, you know, the oppressive gang members, you know, roaming the the, the neighborhood. Yeah, it's it's a sad thought that it goes that way. So you're you're working as a special officer for a drug unit, correct? No, no, no. I was not uh, in the drug unit. Uh, the time I was in detective division, I actually did. Uh, uh, sexual assaults and child abuse, uh, and, and that was part of of me having a problem with the drug war. You know, I got an opportunity to get off the streets, and and so I particularly said, "Hey, I want to get away from the the drug uh, enforcement because I saw so much problems with it." So let's try to minimize my uh, my time with that, and so go in and hey, let's do real crimes. Uh, and, and get away. That's part of how I try to minimize uh, my involvement and continue to be a police officer. Okay, so you wanted to stop uh, enforcing laws that you really uh, didn't believe in deep down inside in the long run and that you knew were kind of contrived to to put a certain population or, or certain group uh, down? Well, that, well, you know, that was not my intention. Uh, my department you know, that's, you know, that kind of racism and everything right. was was not uh, intended, was not tolerated. We had, you know, excellent uh, black leadership in our department. These guys, they wouldn't stand for that kind of stuff. Well, I'm not saying it purposely. Yeah, yeah. No, exactly. Right. Yet, however, our uh, racial disparity with our arrest rates were terrible. You know, if you're a, a black male, you're three times more likely to get arrested for uh, for marijuana than a white person. And we know that d- drug use rates uh, are pretty much the same across uh, male, female, black, white. Uh, so especially if we're talking marijuana, I mean, that's I mean, I, I could tell you I live in a small apartment complex. I work here. I'll bet you 60 percent of the people give or take. And this is an old age community. Smoke marijuana. I mean, it's, yes. it's that simple. You had 178 units. I'll bet you 110 of them or so, or maybe maybe 90 of them, smoke marijuana on a regular basis. Yes. So now, you know, we knew that, you know, our statistics are way off, you know, in, in our in our city, in our department at the time. And they were well skewed towards minorities. And so how do you explain that? Well, uh, our statistician would show you our murder rates or robbery rates and say, 
here's our, you know, show you a map of the city and say, here's our murders and robberies. And they're in these neighborhoods, which are predominantly minority. So that's where we are. And that's where we're working hard. And we're trying to stop them by enforcing these drug laws. And, and then when we do the drug laws, then we go into these, uh, you know, these crazy, uh, you know, crack pipes or you don't have a, a bell or a light on your bicycle, man, we're stopping you and building that into a, uh, you know, a, a pat down for guns and drugs now. But if you look back and say, we know in the past, just like you said, in the eighties with Reagan and just uh, back in the seventies and even the 1900s, that all of those drug laws were racially motivated in the first place. They, you know, they, they've started off, um, you know, getting uh, Chinese smoking opium and the Mexicans smoking marijuana. And, you know, you used to read these, uh, you know, these uh, yellow journalism stories about crazed cocaine uh, Negroes, uh, you know, and, and and so it reminds you of reefer madness, really. Back yes. The, yeah. Yes. And it would. So we know that those uh, drug laws were specifically racially motivated in the first place and that somehow uh you know, and then we expect different results now when we're and still enforcing them. Now we try here. I say we enforce uh, drug laws evenly in the United States, but minorities are at the front of the line. Well, but- and that perpetuates. And so if you if you uh, if your grandparent was arrested and given a felony charge for uh, a drug crime, that's going to affect you. And and so that's how I start to see how the drug enforcement was counterproductive. So Wait, explain that one to me. How uh, okay? So me as a father or as a grand, I'm a grandfather also. Uh, me going out and getting busted for some marijuana, and so be it. I'm not the color that we're discussing. But how does that? How do you feel that perpetuates it to the next generation? Well, uh, you know, if you get a felony charge for a, a drug. You're probably going to lose your driver's license. Uh, you're going to lose your job. Uh, you're, you know, imagine it's hard enough uh, working now yeah. and, and, and getting and getting gaining employment, and you have a felony charge on you. You know, that's going to you're, you know, you if you spend time in prison, even if you know a little bit of time, that separates you from your family, and you're more likely to get a divorce or separation. Uh, you know, economically, it's going to kill you, and and then that just kind of and in a lot of ways it locks you in if you were you know involved in in, in drug activity or anything that's going to lock you into it even more cuz uh you know normal jobs and all you're going to be locked out from it so the only way so, to make money is to really get back into the drug business it, it can it can be it can be sometimes so it actually locks you into it and it and it just perpetuates uh, over generations Sean, imagine uh if you know if you live in a normal neighborhood uh that doesn't have a real uh crime issue imagine if we took your neighborhood and and sealed it off or you know and patrolled it aggressively like we did minority neighborhoods for generations we patrolled your neighborhood for generations you would be worse off i i would absolutely agree with you and that's what we saw in south central la and different regions back in the 80s again yes so it's weird that it grows to small I, – I know North Carolina, the, the, where you're from, is not a, a small town, but it is you know, smaller rural area, isn't it? Uh, no, this is you know, pretty urban, a suburban, 80,000 uh, 
you know, people in the population. You know, it's a normal, it's a normal city, and that, and really, that doesn't the demographics or anything doesn't matter. It's you know, it's it's the tactics and all that uh, to create that and perpetuate it. It's very interesting how it works. So your your big goal here, uh, you're part of Leap. Uh, were you, when did you join Leap, or were you part of the formation of Leap, or where did that fall in? No, uh, Leap is law enforcement against prohibition, and what I joined uh, several years ago. Actually, you know, when I, it took me a good bit of time to really come to that conclusion and see that it's actually the enforcement of prohibition laws that cause all of the harm that's associated with drug use. And, and so with, with leap uh, and uh, just over a year ago when I became a, a speaker for them. So we have about a hundred thousand supporters uh, throughout uh, nine countries and we're set up a lot. We're like a speaker's bureau based off of uh Vietnam veterans against the war. And so we have former uh, members of law enforcement, corrections, DEA, FBI agents, uh, corrections officers, uh, prosecutors uh, that speak out, uh, you know, against uh, against prohibition and for uh, the legalization and regulation of drugs of all drugs of of all drugs. The substance doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. It's it's that that enforcement and it's actually the prohibition that creates so much of the harm that we see. It creates the uh, the underground markets. It perpetuates a lot of the violence. It prevents uh, normal dispute resolution. John, I never arrested a Budweiser distributor and uh, you know a Coors beer distributor. For violence, for, you know, for shooting, shooting out at each other, right. never happened. Uh, and we all can agree that that the perpetuation of, of the drug war in general uh, on all drugs is what brings the violence. Because when something's illegal and it's hard to obtain, people can put the value on it that they want to put on it, which then in turn brings the violence because there's no control. Right, and there's no ability to for dispute resolution. So you have the, the Budweiser uh, beer distributor and, you know, he's, he's fronts product to a convenience store. And if they don't pay, see, he can take them to court. Right. And he can sue them or, you know, and, and, uh, and resolve their matters peacefully. Well, if you, if you sell cocaine and you front product to somebody and they, then they owe you money and don't pay you, you can't go to court. Can't call the police. You have, <laughs> you have to, uh, intimidate them and then go directly to violence. Now, if you don't use that violence, if you're just a just normal, peaceful guy, guess what? You're not going to stay in the drug business very long because you're not going to be able to defend yourself. So you get out, but it's the more vicious people that actually creates them, just like Al Capone climbed to the top of the alcohol prohibition markets. You see more violent people come to the top because they're they're willing uh, to do that violence to keep themselves in business and to run out competitors. We see that with the uh, the Mexican drug lords uh, down in Mexico, yeah, Mr. Today. El Chapo, that we've got back in custody. Yeah. I almost think that the CIA needed to lock him down because they were tired of the competition. But that's just my personal uh, <laughs> my personal opinion there. Uh, so we do you, do you remember the quote that made me call into Kevin's show? You. Uh, well, you know, I was saying that, uh, you know, it's morally wrong to use violence uh, 
against another person for consensual activity between adults. And that's what we're talking about right. with drug possession and drug use. Now, I don't agree with drug abuse. I'm not in, encouraging it, but it is not okay to use violence, and that's what law enforcement does. We point guns in people's faces, and we put handcuffs them on them and kidnap them and lock them in cages. So you had said, um, and I, I don't remember the exact wording, but you had said that you had realized that you were harming people or something along those lines. Yeah, yeah, I realized that I was I was the one actually causing much of the harm, and it was morally unjustified. Now it was legally justified, but uh, morally wrong, and so that caused moral injury to myself, not only to the to the harm that I was actually. Uh, Causing to the people that I arrested, but it was bothering you. It was it was, it was hurting you personally. It, it did. It, it did. It dis, it disturbed me. And I, I didn't quite understand at the time. It kind of built up, but you know, I was, I was when I would arrest these people, I wouldn't feel quite right, and 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 so it it took it took time to build up, and that's when I realized that that I was actually uh, injuring myself morally, and not only with them. Uh, with the individuals as well. Well, you know, you sit and watch cops, and I, I'll watch that every once in a while just because I try to see if you, know, you watch and go, oh, you know what, that was a good arrest. They handled that well. And, and you're looking for um, the bad times. And you, we know cops edits out all the bad stuff most of the time. Uh, but as it, as you watch that and you think about it, you, you see these, these young girls getting picked up with some weed or, or maybe some Coke or some meth or something, and they just they cry and they just want to go home. That's got to really get down inside of you emotionally. It, it really has to, you know, because you guys have to continue to be strong and be the, the law enforcement officer making the point that you shouldn't be doing this. But you're watching a young girl or, or even a young boy, you know, 17, 18-year-old kid that just got busted with a joint. And they're crying and breaking down and they just want to go home. That has to have some kind of effect on, on officers. It does. And – and that's what police officers about f following, just blindly following orders. Uh, just because you're following an order and just because something is legal doesn't make it right and doesn't make it morally justified. What, slavery was okay when it was legal? <laughs> you know, and this is, you know, no, of course not. It just changed you know? the way of slavery, unfortunately, but that's yeah, a whole so other story. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's the same. It's the same. It's the same way today. And and so you can't say, well, it's the law and I have to follow it. No. Fundamental. When is it OK to use violence against another person? What do you use to 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 uh, to justify? What do you what do you and in, in my uh, opinion, I'd say the only time it's OK to use violence against somebody is when they're using violence against you or plan to use violence. Right. Against you. As a as a response. And, and you can never initiate it. Uh, the Constitution can't change that uh you know your local laws your uh your local police department policy manual no it's fundamental moral principle of it's never okay to initiate violence now do you I, get a lot of do you get a lot of um and i agree it's it's never okay no matter whether you're a cop or whether you're a civilian it's never okay to right, initiate badges violence. don't grant extra rights right exactly now do you you know, talking about these things, and, and uh, we will discuss some other avenues, because I know you're mainly about eliminating prohibition, legalizing, legalization of drugs, and, and, and bringing it more to a, 
uh, a treatment instead of an incarceration. Um, do do you believe that the war on drugs and the increase in all these extra laws that maybe come from that or or stem from different things that go on has perpetuated what we see today with law enforcement? Now, again, I don't. I don't want I'm not trying to ask you to bash on cops because people think I'm a cop hater. I wouldn't have you on if I was a cop hater. Um, but do you see that being part of the, what we're seeing now? Is that part of the problem? Yes. Well, you see, we have these horrible uh, asset forfeiture mm-hmm. uh, laws that they're enforcing. Uh, law enforcement just going around, just you know, pulling people over, taking their money. We even have uh, agents, they just go through people's bank accounts online. And, uh, you know, if you have suspicious, you know, you have suspicious transactions, they just take your money. Yeah, well, we've seen that it, many times. We've seen yeah, old people pulled over and they were going to buy a car or something and they ripped yeah. their money out. And that's constitutional. That's from the drug war. All of these SWAT raids, uh, it's really over 80% of those are drug-related. And so... This these SWAT raids. Uh, I tell you, a big one that wears on me is uh, March of last year uh, down in Volusia County, Florida. You had Derek Cruz. Did you ever see his story where he was killed by Volusia County? Was that uh, the Narcot- Marine? Uh, no, uh, Derek. He was uh, just you know in his house asleep with some friends at like six o'clock in the morning, and uh, they uh, the Volusia County Narcotics SWAT team they just go in kick in the door uh, because he's got marijuana, 700 grams. Oof. So, you know, ooh. <laughs> scary. Yeah, that's what they said. So, you know, that's that's just a couple ounces. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so they kick in the door, you know, shoving guns in everybody's face. Derek, you know, wakes up. He's only wearing uh, basketball shorts, uh, and they shoot him right in the face, and he bleeds to death right there on the spot. Volusia County said – they didn't even claim it was an accident. Oh, the, you know, like the gun accidentally discharged or something. No, they said, no, we saw him coming and we saw his hands up or something. No guns or nothing like that. But he had his hands up and he was walking towards. So we shot him in the face. Yeah. Walking with purpose. I've seen uh, I've seen people who yeah, shot over that. Yeah. Well, of course, you're kicking in the door in the dark at whatever, five o'clock in the morning, yelling and screaming. No, who knows what? Of course, people are going to get up and walk towards you. Right. And of course, you know, the you know, the. The officer was cleared. He wasn't charged, you know, because imagine that. And yeah, and that is. Let me talk to the police officers. Are you kidding? You kill someone over marijuana like that? You're the one kicking in the door and shoving a gun in somebody's face, and then you shoot them and kill them. You know how horribly tragic, and you're going to have to live with that for the rest of your life. You know, thankfully. I never, you know, seriously injured anyone. I just locked them up all nice like. Uh, but, you know, the magnitude of something like that is morally wrong. That's just that's just a straight up murder. The government can't justify that. And sometimes and so I'm good. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. And so that's why, you know, we've got to stop, uh, you know, this drug war. That type of stuff is all based on the drug laws, and people lose respect for the law enforcement. So there is real crime out there, but you can't investigate it. People will not cooperate with you. They have a lot of animosity because you've shaken them down or you've arrested neighborhood uh, their neighbors or friends or family, uh, you know, all for this uh, – 
this fake drug war. So you can't even do your real job. Yeah, I was watching. Uh, I, I watched Boys uh, Boys in the Hood this weekend. Uh, I, I don't I don't know if you ever watched it or if you remember. No, I haven't. I haven't seen it. Oh, it's it's an old movie. It's from uh, oh, early yeah, 90s. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and in the beginning, uh, the kid gets sent to his dad, and his dad lives in Compton or, or in that region. And uh, the, there was a, a robber in the house. And the father pulled out his gun and fired at him, and the cops show up, and there's a black cop and a white cop. And the white cop's being really nice to the to these these folks. And the black cop's like, oh, you took another N off the street. You, you should have hit him. You got to get another N off the street. And the, the guy looks at him and goes, man, you're the problem right there. You're a, It's a black man in a black community talking down about the people that live there. And that's really the beginning of, of a lot of this stuff. And, you know, I, I point out a lot of different uh, issues with law enforcement. Obviously, you have just pointed out some shootings and, and, and things like that that are related to the drug law or the drug laws. How do you think that uh, if we could get the government, the federal government to just leave us alone with it, say, you know, states do it on their own? Do you think law enforcement, more people, because you, you talk to a lot of them, do you think they're willing to, to accept this? That the law enforcement is willing to accept yes. this? Yes, Uh you know, we we have a huge amount of cognitive dissonance, uh, you know, in, in the population, and law enforcement is one of them. I was there the same, you know, the same. You know, I grew up, uh, you know, really with kind of a libertarian bent uh, to begin with, and then still got in there. And, and you look at the federal law enforcement; there's no constitutional justification for any federal law enforcement, DEA, even FBI. There's no constitutional justification for them they shouldn't be involved at all uh but you go even further and so i'm a conservative you know i'm i want government out of uh you know pretty much everything most people uh, you ask a conservative person about socialized health care and they tell you a thousand different reasons why that's a bad idea to for government to be in charge of your health care and then you say why should government be involved in local security no. And, oh no 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 that's different and so, um, yeah, I would say why why do we have government involved in local security and dispute resolution services uh, really at all? I would agree with that. I mean, that's really why we have lawyers and and and, and things like that to handle disputes amongst each other. Uh, the, yeah. the court we, systems that that we can initiate personal things to try to correct actions that have happened. Um, I, I'm getting a question here from Jack. I think you've been on with Jack before, if I'm not Jack Blood. Uh, as a matter of fact, I know you've been on with him. Yeah. Uh, he's kind of curious of how you feel about IRS murdering people for nothing, uh, referencing to the Oregon standoff and drills in Washington, things like that. Yep. Uh, the, the government cannot justify that. Taxation, is it's theft. Uh, there, there's no, there's no, uh, you know, there's more, no moral justification uh, to just say, we wrote a law, so we're going to come take money from you. And then we have men like me that are going to enforce those laws. We're going to go into somebody's house because they didn't, uh, you know, give money over to the government <laughs> that they didn't consent to and then shoot them if they resist it's amazing how the government thinks that they need to get money from everything whether it be the drug trade because you know let's be honest uh the only reason why the federal government or any state government would consider uh legalizing is because they know that they're going to get a kickback in the long run out of taxation or, or different things along those lines 
Yeah, you know, it's 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 all about control. And that's the reason for that that prohibition now is is about control. And you see uh the banks make a lot of money, uh you know, surreptitiously. Uh and uh you see certain agencies of the government at very high levels benefiting. Well, we have a seventy billion dollar uh budget for law enforcement and that's that's a huge business that employ a lot of people uh just you know to stamp down on something that's that's really uh you know has certain amount of harms but definitely arresting people for it uh isn't working doesn't help makes things worse what what's what do you think uh it's gonna be an average i'm asking you here but what do you think uh, would be about the amount lost by by police departments, by Leos, by by law enforcement agencies, if the drug war was no longer there, if there was no no encouragement to go after these people, there was no more money coming to to push that war forward. How much do you think is, is would be lost by them? Uh, we have plenty of other crime. Like I said, I, I investigated sexual assaults and child abuse, and we were short staffed in that in that division but we had a lot of narcotics officers we had about 15 of those and then three guys uh, investigating uh child abuse and sexual assault so so we, uh, we could, could definitely money maybe we could we could re redeploy and it they having those black markets and so much of our violence in our communities that law enforcement responds to is b- drug related and so when you when you uh, legalize drugs and get them to where people uh, they can be sold in streets and under con- uh, in businesses under controlled uh, situations, a lot of your other violence, your robberies and murders and assaults and those types of things are going to go way down. And over time, you'll have you know we have like two point two million people in prison, seven million under correctional control. Uh, once we stop locking up more people than uh, police state mm-hmm. East Germany, the private prisons lose. Yeah, the private prisons uh, prisons lose a lot of money, don't they? Well, you know, even public prisons are money makers, even though they're quote unquote nonprofit. Right. <laughs> you know they. So once we stop having these huge uh, generations of people that are you know have their lives uh, interrupted and hindered by these uh, prison sentences, uh, we can get uh, more productive in, in society and we'll be better off. Now I had tweeted something out and you had responded to it. I, I can't remember if it was the middle school girl or the warrantless cell phone. Was it? it was, oh no, it, it was the yeah the warrantless cell phone. So that uh, you were referencing the article. Where uh, that was the state of Vermont, right? Yes, and where they uh, were wanted to write an article, uh, write a law so police officers could uh, pull you over for texting while driving, and then they could actually search your cell phone in order to provide uh, evidence uh, of your distracted texting uh, driving issue uh, without a warrant. What did you think about that? Because you, you, you seemed to chime right in when you saw it. Yeah, well, um, first of all, uh, we have a lot of things. Okay, here, here's here, – hypocr- hard. I know it's hard to answer because you, you, you have a direction that you really focus on, and, and this stuff has to, to to shine in your face a lot. And I, I, I don't yeah. want to take you off your main focus, but this is important to oh, a lot of yeah. people out there, and we yeah. need to hear your opinion as, Look, as an the- officer. The constitutional issue of that is just, you know, that should be a non-starter. 
Now, imagine this. I look for a practical reason as a police officer. So here I am. I'm a cop. I'm in my patrol car. I have my dispatch radio on. I have my walkie-talkie. I have a GPS and a laptop. I'm probably listening to music on the radio. I'm also eating a chicken sandwich, and I have a cup of coffee in my car. Oh, yeah, and I have lights and sirens that I've got to work and manipulate with that. And I've probably been working 10 hours, and I'm, and I'm a little tired on my shift. And so how many distractions do I have in that car? And then I'm going to pull somebody over for texting. And oh, but you're a professional, just, though. You were trained to do that. Yeah. <laughs> that's you know, what they train just, you for. Yeah. You know, just, that's just uh, the hypocrisy and magnitude. Traffic stops are dangerous in, to cops, citizens. Uh, just the whole practicality of pulling people over causes issues and are, and are, are unsafe. And also you have – can you imagine uh, – you know, cops pulling people over and using that as an excuse, and you know who they're going to pull over more often for that, yeah, the, the, <laughs> and in what neighborhoods we're going to do that on. Well, you know, I live in a very rural area, and, and honestly, that we don't have a lot of that population. There's not a lot of blacks in my area, but we do have a high problem with uh, pharmaceuticals. Uh, this town here that I live in, that is the main thing that you'll see people getting busted for and arrested for around me. Uh, so, so we're fighting these these natural drugs, and not all of them are natural. We're fighting marijuana and cocaine and and things that come from the ground, where most of the deaths related to drugs don't come from those things. They come from the legal drugs, the drugs that doctors are giving you. How do you feel on that end of it? On on the legalized uh, uh, on the pharmaceutical end, uh, on the pharmaceutical end of people being put away on something that uh, uh, major companies are making profits off of because they're not they're they're not making the 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 uh, Zanny bars that people are selling. That you, <laughs> you've got a company that that pill was bought or possibly stolen, but more than likely it's from somebody's prescription where the the big pharmaceutical company made a ton of money off of that getting out there, you know, and then a drug dealer is going to make some money off of selling it, and then they're going to put the guy away that is hooked on it. So when we talk about, um, you know, legalizing or law, law enforcement against prohibition, you know, do do you guys ever kind of look at that end of it? Do, do you ever consider that end of it and worry about that end of it too, the, the legal drugs that that are being pushed into more of society than than these illegal drugs that we're trying to stop? Yeah, I certainly don't. And, and so education is key. Uh, you know, we have to get, uh, and I, I personally, you know, drugs are dangerous. Uh, Oxycontin and opioids, uh, they do work and have a benefit, but you've got to be very careful with them. So education and personal responsibility are very important. And then you have, yeah, Purdue Pharma with uh, Oxycontin. They just straight up lied and said, Yes, our, you know, our drug is uh, less addictive. And they knew that wasn't the truth at the time, but that's how, you know, they help, you know, sell it like crazy and overprescribe it. Yeah. And then we've got these people addicted. And, and then, uh, even the prescription controls help create a lot of the crime because, so we have, they're so worried about, uh, people, uh, taking prescription drugs for a long period of time. So they'll cut them off. And then if people loses their prescription, but they're, you know, they're addicted to it or have a dependence on it, then you cut them off. Now they're, they have to go, uh, you know, go find it on black market, uh, uh, means or 
you know, if they don't have a prescription or can't get it from somebody, then a person says, look, you know, you can buy heroin instead of oxy and you can get it for 10 bucks and here I'll show you how to shoot it up. And, you know, you, you've got, you don't have any money and, but you need it. Right. And so that's how the people transition over. And let's be honest, it really is the same thing. I mean, it's the same. It, it, basically, yes. You know, it comes from the same derivative for the most part. And, uh, you know, and if you if you think about it, what you're trying to do with the, the legalization of, of marijuana and, and all, decriminalization of all drugs, but especially with marijuana, most people stuck on those pills uh, could could treat their issues, maybe not as effectively, but still treat it healthier, safer with with something that isn't going to damage their internal organs and and their their menta- mental status as much. You're you're right. Uh, you know, I see uh, children with seizures being treated by cannabis, and then and you you see uh, you know now we're talking about pain treatment. Uh, people that could benefit from it that now currently take opioid medication, and you know what a huge blessing to get somebody transition someone over or get them never to start on an opioid if they can try cannabis that actually works for them yeah. and maybe even better uh can you believe we're denying people uh that opportunity and, and that police officers would go out and actually uh, arrest people for trying to treat their own Ill, uh, illnesses and diseases yeah my father has fibromyalgia very like one of the worst cases i think i've ever seen of it uh he's been disabled from it he had to retire in 2004 from the radio business in Philadelphia because of it. And and he was on an absorbent amount of drugs. I mean, it was just ridiculous. And finally, over the past two or three years, I've, I've been able to convince him to try this because he was always against it. He never wanted – now, I've been a pot smoker for a very long time, probably about 20 years, and I do it recreationally. I don't do it for any main medical reason. But I finally got him to experiment a little bit uh, with different forms, different delivery methods, and he found one that really worked well for him. And we, you know, John Morgan here in Florida, we're hoping, we're praying, uh, I'm not a religious guy, but damn, I'm praying for this one, that we can get this bill passed, at least for the the medical at this point in time. Uh, I, I want to see it completely decriminalized. I want to be able to go to a bar and sit down and smoke a joint instead of drinking a bunch of beer, which causes me to become stupid and arrogant and, and <laughs> angry when if I smoke a joint, I'm going to sit there and laugh and have a good time with it. You know what I mean? It's just yes, ridiculous. Yes. yes. Uh, so, the, you know, that would that would be great. And and it's interesting. Doctors that will attest say we, we don't want um, a drug legal. We don't want it legalized. Well, they lose yet their a, kickbacks from the pharmaceutical yet, yet, then. Yet a, a doctor would never write orders. Uh, imagine a, they have a patient that has an addiction issue or dependence issue. Mm-hmm. A, a doctor never would say, Leah, let's, uh, we're going to send you to county lockup and put you in there for 30 days. And that's, that's our medical treatment. They would never suggest that. But yet that's what we do on the doctor's behalf. It's insane. And then – if it doesn't even make sense to arrest somebody with an addiction or dependence issue, why are we even bothering with most people who are just do it recreational? Well, and that's what it comes down to with the dependence issue is, you know, that is that falls into the realm of a, of a medical issue. I mean, if, if you're an alcoholic, same thing. They don't lock you up for being an alcoholic. They send you to AA. They give you support. They they try to get you 
uh, rehabilitated from it. Now, of course, if you're driving your car and you wreck it and kill a family of four, Correct. you should go to jail, which we see the uh, Affluenzo kid didn't go to jail for that. But then the young black kid that, that did the exact same thing uh, went is sentenced to life. Now, I don't know if you've seen those two stories in comparison. No, 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 I haven't. But, yeah, you see you see that disparity. It's a, you know, it's all about money sometimes, too. Um, I got to wrap it up here pretty soon. Uh, the one last thing that I think is a hot topic when it comes to law enforcement uh, and, and people's rights is recording of law enforcement. How do you feel about the, the whole recording movement, the whole, you know, cop block uh, photography is not a crime movement? Yeah, you had uh, photography is not a crime. I think on your last episode, I have it on last week. Yep, they have a great website and they do really good work. And it, um, as far as f- uh, filming and everything, uh, I think it's a I think it's great. Body cameras on police officers. Hey, they're gonna they're gonna abuse that uh, and control that. But uh, I'm not against it. Of course not. Well, how about uh, c- civilians, though? Because Arizona no, right I, now. I, yes. <laughs> I think that's a great tactic to film all the time. Now, I would be careful for your personal safety for how much you interfere. And, you know, I don't want people getting arrested, uh, you know, and, and, uh, and getting potentially harmed. <laughs> We've seen down in Austin uh, with like Antonio Bueller and guys like that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, really taking a beating. And I, I don't suggest anyone, uh, you know, harm themselves personally like that. But, but absolutely, you know, to get up there and uh, to film law enforcement uh, and put it up there on the web, that's a great idea. I absolutely agree. I mean, don't interact or don't interfere. Keep your distance. You know, unfortunately, a lot of people, when they see bad, uh, and th- this is another subject that can be brought up at another time, but. You know, you, you see some of these uh, soccer tournaments in, in other countries where the cops start beating up on a guy that was streaking the field. And then all of a sudden the, the, the crowd empties out and they start beating on the cops. Do you think that we would ever, you know, we've seen a few small videos of things like that happening here in the country, in, in America. But do you think that the people get to that point where they're going to do things like that and really retaliate? Well, first, uh, you know, let me add this to the to people that uh, video police officers. Uh, and, you know, I see the YouTube videos just like you do. And remember, y- your audience are people that really love and blindly support law enforcement. So that's whose mind you're trying to change. And and so you have to be really careful that you are not in any way perceived that you're instigating it because that 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 doesn't play with the audience that you're trying to convert. Right. Uh, and so you really, you know, you have to, to, to really uh, be conservative with that. As far as people turning on law enforcement, uh, you know, I don't, are you just, you know, in a lot of ways, are you justified? And, you know, and the answer is yes. Yeah, that's the problem. You, you are. Right. But, you know, just remember that, the police officers are guys like me, are good guys, and they, you know, 90% of the time, they don't understand the harm they're causing. Hey, we all don't. We've been brainwashed, you know, for, you know, 100 years since we, before, before I was born. Uh, what we're doing is okay and just doing it is right. So, you know, I would ask that, uh, people show more forgiveness and understanding that I've shown them. 
in the past. I would agree with that. And, you know, if we could eradicate, and I know it's it's there for a reason, but I think if we could eradicate that thin blue line and we had officers like you that don't get pushed out, don't get distraught by what they're doing, because you see it a lot of times. A few years ago, you had the officer up in South Carolina, I believe it was, that that, that was a whistleblower that pointed out that um, uh, that he was given a, a, a quota. And and he pointed that out, and he ended up having to quit. And this is like two, three-year-old story. But it seems to me uh, any of the good cops or the really honorable cops I know personally are all older guys. And they're filtering out. And this, this new generation that we see coming in tends to be more of the problem. I tell this story a lot. I, I live in an apartment complex where I work. I'm a maintenance guy here. And uh, we have a young man that lives here, and he's 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 got some medical issues. He, he's got some mental problems, and he takes medication for it. And uh, one day he was overdosed on his medication and he walked through the clubhouse and dropped his pants and then walked down the end of the street and was standing out by the stop sign, you know, pulling his pud uh, right in public there. Cop arrives. He drives past him, comes up past me. And I, I pull up next to the officer. and I said, listen, I said, I know this guy. He, he's on uh, antidepressants. We've had this issue before. He's overdosed on his medication. He's harmless. I mean, the guy's dropping his pants to his ankle and then pulling him back up. Right. I said, he's harmless. Just just, you know, we can get him under control very easily. He looks at me and he goes, I don't know you. I don't know him. So I'm going to do what I have to do. And you know what came out of his out of his holster? His frickin gun. For a guy that's having a medical problem. That's yeah, that's disturbing. Yeah. And so that's, you know, <laughs> uh, that's what you, what you have. Hey, I would say that's socialized law enforcement for you. You, you know, that's like going to the DMV to get service. You never know what you're going to get when you call. But I was, uh, I, I was really yeah, that's, trying. Yeah, that's part of training and everything. Uh, is just we have lots of of issues with that. Uh, you know, don't uh, don't you think it'd be a, a smart thing though as an officer? I know the guy. I've known the guy for four years. The the the, the kid that was having this issue. And, and wouldn't you think that the officer would go, hey, this guy, you know, he's worked here for six years. Um, you know, he's in, he, I know he works here. He's driving a golf cart. You know, he's telling me exactly what's going on with this individual. Maybe I can take his advice and go talk to him and try to get it under control instead of just going right to the gun and the taser. Yeah. And, and then the cop, he can't back down from there. Once he starts there's, it, right. There's nowhere else to go mm-hmm. except to escalate it. And not and, for nothing, this cop was eh, maybe 24, 25 years old. I'm 40. <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. no respect has, for my age, no respect for the right. fact that I was military. You know, I, I, you see me, I'm clean cut. I got a, a high and tight pretty much, you know, give some advice there, you know, take the advice and, and work with people to make it easier. Rayford, we're running out of time. Uh, tell everybody where they can find you, uh, anything like that that would help draw more people to you. Yeah, well, I'm I'm on Twitter at Rayford D, and also I'm at uh, Leap Law Enforcement Against Prohibition. That's Leap dot CC, and uh, we're not asking you to support drug use. Uh, we're asking you to end your support of violent drug prohibition enforcement. That's yeah. What more could you ask for? We just want to have a peaceful society and 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 not have people attacked for a plant that. You can grow in your backyard. You know what I mean? That, that has medical benefits. Rayford, I really appreciate your time tonight. I want to do this again. Uh, you know, down the road, if you got a, a big event coming up or, or just something really grabs your attention, uh, I would love to talk with you again. And again, I appreciate your time. All right. Thank you for having me on. Give me the opportunity to speak out. Absolutely, man. I'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. Peace out, Rayford. 
There goes Ray for Davis. You know, take it what you will. You know, he, he, he's got a great point of view. He, he wants to see change. He wants to see peace amongst us all. Just enjoy your pot. Get treatment if it's something stronger. All right, guys, been listening to the first week to RazRadioLive.com, RadioFreeBlood.com, or RadioFreeBlood, and Radio Chaos. I'll be back with you guys next week. Greg tonight will be in studio with me for the whole show. I look forward to it. Peace. Love you. Let's investigate the consequence of a bittersweet loss of sense, a weapon in a war against ourselves. The setting sun is loading guns. Don't be afraid of mistakes. Emotions misplaced to love or to hate. I don't know what to do. We're all lost and confused. Just trying to get through in this world. Always trying to prove that we're worth what it takes. But it takes a long time in the dirt to see grace. But I'm trying to be real. They tend to be fake when I'm risking it all with no time to waste. Fuck this red race. I'm leaving this place. It's time to blast off destination The sunset hung behind us And the universe to blind us From the moon we'll watch the whole world explode Moving free, unguided Through the beautiful, the silent With the light show from a passing UFO Lost in the glow Of the unknown Please don't go
with the sunset hung behind us In the universe the blind us from the moon We'll watch the whole world explode Moving free and guided through the beautiful The silent with the light show From a passing UFO Lost in the glow Of the Love you guys so much. Thanks. First 52 is the bump diggity. Let me out Thoughts inside my mind 